Ahoy, shipmates. Welcome aboard for this edition of Another Fine Navy Day. I'm retired Navy Chief Journalist Cleve Hardman, and in my 20 years in the service, I encountered many crazy Navy sea stories that I would like to share with you. Today's episode is a failure to communicate. In recent years, we have come to take instant communication for granted. Cell phones, text messages, and email make it possible to virtually communicate with anyone anywhere, at any time. That was not the case in the 1980s, particularly for Navy ships at sea in the Pacific and Indian Oceans. There was no cell phone service. There was no email. There were no satellite telephones. The only option for sailors to keep in touch with family and friends at home was ordinary mail. Mail service for deployed ships is not exactly expedient and reliable. The postman is not making delivery rounds on a daily basis, It often takes weeks or even months for letters and packages to reach their intended destination. One of my shipmates who learned this lesson the hard way was fireman apprentice Rod Gibbs. He was just 19 years old when he reported aboard just a few weeks before the ship departed on a six-month deployment. Gibbs, originally from Iowa, arrived in San Diego with some extra baggage, a young wife with an infant child. On the meager salary and benefits afforded a fireman apprentice, it was going to be a serious challenge to make ends meet in the expensive surroundings of San Diego. Gibbs barely knew his way from his rack to his workstation when the ship departed San Diego. He had a great deal to learn about his job, and it took nearly every waking hour for him to keep up with his duties. But he was also trying his very best to take care of riding back to his wife at home. She was also riding very often. But what they learned the hard way was the lengthy timeline for the mail to get through. After more than two months without setting foot on dry land and operating in the Indian Ocean and Gulf of Oman, the ship had not received nor shipped mail. Finally, as our ship started the transit back home, we arrived near Perth, Australia. Gibbs had a stack of letters waiting for him and carefully went through them, starting with the first letter and working his way to the most recent. The first letters from his wife were full of love and sentiment, but as they progressed, the tone started to change. She was clearly feeling the financial strain. She was also starting to feel abandoned. She was clearly not receiving anything he had sent. The last of the letter said it all. I'm done. She just couldn't take it anymore and was convinced that he had simply forgotten about her. Gibbs was heartbroken and upon arrival in Perth, tried to call home and convince her not to give up on him, but he couldn't reach her and he set out to at least drown his sorrows in drinks and beer. Then he met an Australian girl and poured out his troubles to her. There was a strong, instant connection. The ship was due to be in Perth for seven days. Gibbs had duty on the fourth day, but was free to enjoy liberty the three days before and the three days after his duty day. However, when his duty day did arrive, Gibbs was nowhere to be found. Shipmates looked for him without success, Checks of the local hospitals and police stations were also unsuccessful. When the ship left port, Gibbs was still missing. From Perth, the ship headed north for a brief visit in Subic Bay, Philippines. As we made the trip there, there was much discussion about Gibbs and concern for his well-being. Was he safe? Would we ever see him again? After a couple of days at sea, we started to receive some sketchy news. Gibbs had been found. He was going to meet the ship in Subic Bay. We were happy to know he was safe, but we could not wait to hear his story. Gibbs was waiting at the pier, accompanied by some military police, and was taken aboard the ship. 
Within 24 hours, we all started to get details of his ordeal. He had befriended the Australian girl and decided to stay in the land down under and make a new life. He landed a job at a meatpacking plant. He moved in with the family of his new Australian girlfriend and was having breakfast one morning when he heard a call. This is the police. We have the house surrounded. Come out with your hands up. Gibbs heard glass breaking. It was one of his new girlfriend's brothers leaping through a window and trying to make a run for it. As they were all rounded up, Gibbs learned that he had unknowingly become part of a major crime family wanted by Australian police. He was taken into custody, thought to be a member of that family. He had already ditched all of his identification and could not convince Australian authorities of his true identity. His only option to avoid jail time was to contact the U.S. consulate and turn himself in as a sailor who was missing from our ship. On the transit back to San Diego, Gibbs faced captain's mast for violations of the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Charges included unauthorized absence and missing ship's movement, among other issues. He was sentenced to 30 days in the brig to be served upon return to San Diego and discharged from the service under less than honorable conditions. Thank you for coming aboard for today's story, and I hope you'll be back to join me again. Until next time, fair winds and following seas.